Hey guys, welcome to episode four. This is Jen and Roy, and today we're going to start talking about unconventional fitness um, or, you know, ways of staying active that don't really require the typical gym setup. Um, then we're going to go on to injury, and we're going to delve into some questions that people asked regarding what to do if you have an injury or... Um, common mistakes that people make when they have injuries and then we're going to be talking about just general answers to questions that we got so do you want to start Roy um so when thinking about unconventional fitness I guess we wanted to cover this just because we wanted to make it a point of emphasis that you don't have to be in the gym to stay active and to be working on your physical health um, or there, mental health. Or mental health. There, I mean, any reason that you're in the gym, you don't have to be in the gym to do so. I mean, you can you can walk the dog, you can go hiking, swim, bike. I think as a personal trainer and just as someone who advocates for physical activity as a a, a stress reliever, to me, it honestly does not matter what you do as long as you're moving your body and staying active and it's something that you enjoy and that you can adhere to. So I would rather have someone diligently walk their dog every day than take on a really challenging strength training routine that they're not going to adhere to and... And not going to enjoy. And not going to enjoy, which is which is half the battle. So mm-hmm. that's why we wanted to kind of talk about it. Um, things I do that might be deemed like unconventional are I like to just throw resistance bands in my backpack um and I I like to do little like prehab or injury prevention exercise throughout the day which does it it's related to the work I do in the gym but it's obviously outside of the gym other things I like to do are I walk the dog every day which I love doing um great way to clear your head and and move your body just Walking really helps with sore muscles too. I find, mm-hmm. um, I I love to do things in nature, but I don't make nature. a ton of time for it, like hiking and stuff like that. But I've always said that, and this I think this for this applies to not just exercise, but I encourage people to just find something that they're passionate about and that they like doing, and really throw themselves into it and. I think that's kind of how you learn more about yourself as a person and you grow as a person is to really give your 100% to something. So it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's biking, hiking, swimming, whatever it is, if you enjoy it and you find benefits from it and it helps your self-confidence and your physical and mental health, then I think that is wonderful and I encourage you to keep doing it. Yeah, and to be honest, people are probably doing a lot of these things already like walking to the corner store making your way to the bus stop um taking strolls with your family okay honestly walking around the mall is so tiring like a full day of shopping is so hard that's another good point i guess people probably don't realize how much you actually exercise and move around in a day so i think that also speaks to why it's so important to include like resistance training when you do go to the gym mm-hmm. just because people it doesn't really make sense at least to me to you're you're walking 10 15,000 steps a day on college campus and 
busting and doing things like that and you go to the gym and you're on an elliptical or a treadmill for an hour, half an hour, I, I think your time could be better spent somewhere else. So I think it's also just being conscious of how how often and how how much you're moving throughout the day and there are tons of tools where you can track your steps i think everybody talks about getting their steps in these days my mom is obsessed with that um the little metrics on the apple watches and stuff i think that can be really good for people to help keep them in check when it comes to making sure they're moving their bodies enough um yeah i think like something that's come up um maybe we should have called this like functional fitness or functional activity so referring to your anecdote about like you know you'd rather have somebody do one consistent thing that they enjoy every day that involves moving their body rather than adhering to a really intense and rigorous strength training program that they're not going to enjoy or really be able to use because let's say like their job requires them to be hiking every day or um, doing physical labor and something that they might enjoy more than going to the gym is just walking their dog or going hiking that's going to be way more functional for them than going to the gym and doing something that they don't want or like to do um, very often yeah but it's good to mix things up it's definitely good to have variety I can totally understand that the gym or gym environments can be intimidating. So even if you do like to weight train or resistance train, there are a lot of environments that you can you can do that at home if you have like a resistance band. Resistance bands are great and they're pretty cheap on Elite FTS. So I just suggest that if you're interested in that, um, picking those up and just doing things that are gonna be functional for you and not what you think you're supposed to be doing. Another, I have a couple things that came to mind just when you were talking just now. Number one being that I think it's huge for people. Um, We had a small group class today who work in the conservation corps. And so we tried to make their session today kind of conducive to what their job requires. And one of them spoke about how they don't feel motivated to exercise unless they know that it's going to benefit them in other th- other facets of life such as their job or if they have a goal like mm-hmm. say they want to get in better shape so they can better perform their job or be prepared for a certain task at work so I think finding something that you feel is going to benefit you in other other areas of life and help you work towards a goal a specific goal and making sure your training is conducive to achieving that goal is is really important um Another thing I wanted to touch on is that it can be really overwhelming just because of the sheer amount of exercises and programs mm-hmm. and routines that there are out there. I think some people walk in the gym and they just there's too many choices and it just it feels intimidating. You don't know what to do, you don't know where to start. So I encourage people to I think the simpler the better and mm-hmm. what you feel comfortable with is what you're going to perform the best at. And that is true for us too as coaches is we can't try to program things we don't feel comfortable teaching Mm -hmm. because that's not going to be the most beneficial for the client. So whether it's a bodyweight only routine where you're doing bodyweight squats, glute bridges, um, 
things like that. You can get a super solid workout with just your body weight at home. You don't need to go to the gym. The same goes for resistance bands. There are hundreds of exercises you can use to get a full body workout with just resistance bands. Um, let us let us know if you'd be interested in us sharing some workouts like that. We'd be happy to put those together. But I think the bottom line here is that everyone can find something that they like to do that involves physical activity. And when you when you're looking for that thing, be choosy and be be mindful about why you're doing it and what you're hoping to accomplish with it. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to get across is that it doesn't have to look any one way. Yeah, I think the bottom line here is like the best movement or exercise or activity is going to be the one that you can do every day or every other day. And so just trying to take like little bites at a time because the most important factor here is consistency. And regarding like, there's a lot of people that are mobile. Like my brother is doing a scooter tour across like Europe right now. And I know he has a few resistance bands with him. And so that makes it really easy to, you know, to get a workout in. So just considering like your lifestyle, because there's no normal gym behavior or workout behavior or, you know, it's really supposed to be tailored to your life. It's just a tool. So, you know, just embracing it as a tool and not a task is another mindset change that you can make there. Yeah, um, a lot comes to mind when when you spoke about that. Just on that last point, a, a huge mindset shift is thinking about working out, not that you have to, but that you get to, that you have a healthy body, that you're able to go in and you have the resources to try and improve yourself. And I think that obviously not every day you're going to have that positive mindset and you're going to want to go into the gym and be grateful for the opportunity to get better. But the more you can think like that, the better your training is going to go and the more positive association you're going to have with the gym and with exercise. Um, another thing I wanted to speak on when you talk about your brother and his resistance bands, I think it's also important to recognize that something is always going to be better than nothing. So mm-hmm. even if you can't get in whatever workout you have programmed that day, do something. You're going to feel much better. Just move around. Um, just do the bare minimum. Um, and you'll feel like you will have accomplished something that day, even if it's not what you wanted. Um, stuff's going to pop up. You're going to oversleep. You're going to have projects. You're going to get injured, which mm-hmm. we'll speak to later. You're going to get sick. Anything can happen. And just being adaptable. And we'll talk more about this later too, but just being able to not be so rigid in your routines mm-hmm. and being able to accept when things don't go to plan, which is it has been a huge struggle for me in the past. But through our relationship and through just having to take on more responsibility, I think I've improved on being able to adapt and be more flexible quite a bit. Um, so that's that's pretty much all I got on that side. Yeah, me too. Let us know if you guys would be interested in us putting together some bodyweight workouts you guys can do at home or some resistance band workouts. Um, if you have any questions regarding anything we touched on in that first segment, feel free to reach out. Um, via DM or however you guys want to get a hold of us. Uh, ready to move on? Yeah. All right, so the next topic is going to be injuries, um, a topic near and dear to our hearts. <laughs> so I know, Jen, I'll let you speak on this because 
to your back, but Jen recently tweaked her low back. This has been Twice. an ongoing thing. It kind of kind of hurt her performance at her last meet, we feel, a little bit. A lot. Definitely took away from the prep coming up to the meet. I recently had a kind of a weird situation with my ankle where I've sprained my ankles tons of times. I have flat feet, which is really tough. And strangely enough, I'm really diligent and good about like trying to prevent these things and strengthen the tendons and ligaments and the integrity of my, my ankle joints because I, I know this stuff is going to happen. But in this case, I actually just bumped it on something at the gym. Like I just walked into something and it didn't really hurt right away. But then about 2 p.m. that day, I couldn't walk at all on that mm-hmm. foot. Um, Did you say it was a ligament? Yeah, I think I, I, think I hit a, a lateral ligament on the outside of my ankle, um, which is a sprain. But what's super weird is that it doesn't hurt where I hit it. It hurts on the inside, which I couldn't tell you. Um, so one of the things that we want to get into, I, or I want to get into, is knowing when to go to the doctor because whenever stuff like this happens to me, I, I want to avoid going to the doctor at all costs because that's admitting that it's serious. Mm-hmm. It's admitting that you're going to have to probably sacrifice your whole day to go and wait at the doctor and you're going to have to sacrifice financially. And you just never know. Like I would hate to go in there and have them tell me, oh, you sprained it. Mm-hmm. Here's t- Take some ibuprofen because I already know that. you know. So my go-to is to call my mom and that's yeah. not always helpful. But what do you? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'll I'll speak to my experience about that a little bit. Um, I've been powerlifting on and off since 2015. Over like the last three years, I got a lot more serious about it. Um, I hired a coach for the first time, and I'm not saying that you have to do that if you want to consider powerlifting. You probably shouldn't. Just have somebody show you the movements. But um, yeah, last meet prep, I tweaked my low back squatting, and that really sucked and I remember the rep I tweaked it in and I finished the workout like a dumbass sorry dad if you're listening um and it probably didn't help that I went to do my deadlift workout like in the next two days and thought miraculously like oh it's gonna be fine um I obviously told my coach right away but um there were a lot of things that went into it Um, It was probably just a grade one strain, but uh, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't really know what to do because I've never been injured like that before. Of course, like, um, I'm like, oh, my knee hurts or uh, I think that my, I think I'm developing some bicep tendonitis, Um, but there was nothing that was like, I couldn't even pull 255 from the ground. Like it was, it was on there and I refused to... Um, use a belt for lightweights because my ego was in the way and I didn't understand that I had to move my workouts into later in the day when my back was warmer because this was at a time when my only time to work out really was at 5 a.m. or like 6 p.m. So and I didn't want to do the 6 p.m. because I'm home and I want to I want to spend time with my with my family with my pets Um, so I had to make a lot of adaptations there and when I finally I I did go to the doctor at one point I was laying on the ground at my gym and I called my mom and I was like mom I don't know what to do um it's so painful even laying here is painful and this was probably after like a week and a half of dealing with it um 
and she was like, well, you should go to the doctor. And I was actually able to get in within the next hour. And I told it, I told her the whole situation and she was like, well, I understand that you're probably not going to stop lifting. So I think speaking to your point, Roy, like being afraid to go to the doctor, doctors, a good doctor is going to understand that, you know, you have goals and that, yeah, the best course of action is to probably take a few days off that, but that you're probably not going to do that. Especially if you tell them you're, you're competing pretty soon. Um, so yeah, my doctor really was just like, well, let me feel around, um, on your low back, your glute muscles. And it turns out I had some, uh, glute issues going on there. And she was like, I can give you a muscle relaxer, but you might injure it even more. Um, and this was the first time I injured it. So I learned quite a bit there, you know, take ibuprofen, use a belt. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad that I went to the doctor because the worst thing you could do is train on an injury and just refuse to go to the doctor if it's progressively getting worse because that like, and then you going too late and finding out it's going to set you back when it would have set you back a week. Now it's going to set you back a year because you made the injury worse and now there's no way to work around it. So, you know, if, if it's even something in your mind, I would suggest going. Yeah. Last thoughts on kind of going to the doctor and knowing when to go to the doctor. I think if it gives you peace of mind, just like knowing exactly what it is that Mm. happened, maybe getting an x-ray, if that takes some anxiety away, because for me, if I, if I don't know what's going on or I'm left guessing and Googling and that's no good. You, you, you want to be able to know what's going on and how to deal with it. So if you feel like it's going to give you peace of mind and you're just going to be worried, then I, I would encourage you to go. I just I also think it's important to consider the financial burden, oh, yeah, the time sure. burden. Um, and I think especially if you have a basic understanding of anatomy and you have some good resources, I encourage you to use them. Mm-hmm. And there are so many things you can do on your own to help rehab an injury. Um, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then don't. Mm. Um, and obviously we're not doctors. I'm not a physical therapist yet. Um, so when it comes down to it, you need to seek medical help if it's a serious injury, but I do encourage you to use all your other resources, things like isometric holds where you're, you're holding a specific joint angle and it's going to strengthen that joint at that position. And about 10 degrees higher and lower tremendously and that so for example if you have knee pain at a certain point in your squat when you get to a certain degree of knee flexion if you hold let's say it's about when you're halfway up if you hold a half squat for three sets of one minute you might experience some relief from that and it'll strengthen the joint in that specific position other things you can do are just working active range of motion taking your joints through the range of motion and then doing once you feel comfortable doing that doing resisted range of motion so for example for my ankle i'm starting for this rehab i'm obviously these first couple days i'm resting i'm icing i'm elevating um i did work out and all yesterday and i'll talk more about that in a second but then grabbing a resistance band and pulling the resistance band away from all, every single plane that your ankle can move in. So I don't want to use too much terminology that people might not be familiar with, but basically pointing your toes up and having the band resist you pointing them down and vice versa, or turning your ankle in, having the band resisting you turning your ankle in, 
and then going the opposite way, just kind of strengthening the joint and the ligaments. There are tons of things you can do. It's really important to rest at first. Um, yeah, what's up? Yeah, I think definitely what you said about using all your resources. Um, I definitely talked to my dad first before I went to the doctor. And I talked to my coach. And my coach gave me um, rehab exercises and preventative exercises. The reason that I went to the doctor was because I wanted to make sure I wasn't doing more damage than good and more damage than I can recover from. But if you have somebody that you trust um, that's close to you and that has, like, your best needs in mind, I would definitely reach out to them first. And what? Yeah. Just another thing with that is that it's, I think it's really important to consult outside opinions, whether it's just a friend or a parent, um, because they're going to be able to have an unbiased view. I mean, you are going to want to work out. At least I am. I'm going to want to. But So I need Jen to tell me when you can't. You're going to do more damage than you are good. And it's important to be able to decide that for yourself as well. But especially at first, like, I just think it's so important to have someone else give you their unbiased opinion and and take that into consideration. Yeah, for sure. And and, and while we're still on the subject, I did re-injure my back. Um, I re-injured it last week, and I was doing deadlifts, and I was having a really good beltless cycle, so I wasn't using a belt. Um, I was using a stiff bar, which, if you don't know, can be a little harder on your back. Um, I was warming up, and I re-injured it. And even though I re-injured it, I applied the lessons I learned from the last time I injured it. Like, I did not finish the workout. I I went upstairs. I walked on the treadmill for a minute. Um, not a minute exactly, but walked on the treadmill, did the stair climber, and then I did my... I referred back to my rehab exercises that my coach gave me. Um, and I just made sure I was getting blood in that back, and I was I was stretching. And so I think if you have an injury... Um, you and and it feels like it's gone (laughs) I would be very cautious so now I'm using my belt I'm using even though I don't want to be using blocks I'm using blocks um I'm doing I'm continuing my rehab and this time around it's been a lot better because of lessons I learned last time so keep that in mind you know when you're having recurring recurring injuries are you not continuing up with your rehab work and your prehab work um, you got to kind of keep these things in the back of your mind. I think you hit on something huge, which was learning from your mistakes the first time with that injury. Yeah. So just be smart. Don't make the same mistake twice. The definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting a different result. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Another thing that you touched on that I think is huge is it's become the the stronger you get and the more advanced you get, And obviously, neither of us are where we want to be long term, but we've made huge improvements and we're much more knowledgeable about training now than we used to be. And as we've improved, it's become that much more important to include activation exercises before doing compound lifts. So, for example, I put up full warm ups on my Instagram if you guys are interested, but for your bench press, let's say it's important to not only get your pecs firing and warming up your pecs, but also making sure that your stabilization muscles, like your rotator cuff and all those muscles are ready to work as well. Mm -hmm. So I think there are a bunch of components to avoiding injury, 
but you want to be as prepared as you can. So making sure that you're activating the muscles you're going to be using that day, not just the prime movers, but this, the stabilizing muscles as well as the antagonists and just being fully prepared for what, what's going to come. Mm-hmm. And then we talked a lot about prehab, which obviously that's rehab before you actually need it. So that's why I throw bands in my backpack. And when I have downtime at work, I'll do some abduction, adduction, because I have a tight left hip flexor. I'll do some isometric holds. I'll do just simple drills that are going to help loosen up my hips, especially when I'm sitting for long periods of time. So do activation, do prehab, use everything you can to help avoid injury. And then once you do, that's when you need to figure out how to best attack and minimize the damage that's going to be done from that injury. Mm -hmm. I think that's getting into a few of the questions that we got. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce some of these questions. Um, The first one regarding injury that we got was, what do you find to be one mistake lifters make when rehabbing an injury? And I chuckled because um, that's me right now. I... Okay, so one thing that a lot of lifters do is they go th- full throttle way too fast. Um, like after my meet, I thought that my back was fine. It was feeling it was feeling good. It wasn't um, hurting to deadlift. It wasn't hurting during squats. Um, so I hopped back into heavy volume work with no belt um, and no no other implements really. And I forgot all the rehab work that got me better, which is a big mistake. So. I think, you know, don't go full throttle too fast. You have to, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, um, you know, fixate on that injury and be scared of it, but just remember that your body is likely still healing and things are going to take a lot longer than you think to go back to what your normal was or your baseline was. So, uh, definitely don't include that accessory and rehab work that you were doing. Um, keep the, and you can keep this, no, do do include it, sorry. Um, and, you know, keep that in there. You don't have to do it necessarily to the extent that you were doing it while you were injured, but nothing bad is going to happen if you keep that in there. It's going to continue to help you to get better. So I would say, yeah, that's my answer to that. What do you think? So what was the question? What Most common mistake lifters make when rehabbing mm-hmm. an injury? Um yeah, I, I agree. I think going full throttle too fast can be super detrimental. I think you, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning and just being able to adapt. To give um, kind of a, an anecdotal example, so with this ankle sprain that I'm dealing with, I was supposed to have my last heavy squat day before a deload yesterday, um, but I actually consulted Jen's coach, who I don't pay, so I was super grateful that he was still willing to give me advice and help me out. Um, Shout out Trevor. That was really, really awesome. But he suggested that anything, again, something is better than nothing. Some stimulus is going to do good and help me maintain the strength that I've built. But that if I go too hard, my body is going to use energy that it could be using to work on healing my ankle to to perform muscle protein synthesis Mm -hmm. and work on recovering from that heavy workout. So rather than trying to hit my numbers, I did, I taped up my ankle. Luckily I worked um, in the athletic training room at my school, so I know how to tape an ankle and make sure it was stabilized and I wasn't gonna further the injury, which I think that's another thing to touch on is that you can probably get through, I probably could have taped up my ankle real tight and gotten through that workout, Mm 
but I had to be it? I had to be cognizant of the fact that I was using something artificial to help me stabilize and that's a temporary fix. I can't have my ankles taped in a meet. I can't have I can't I'm out of tape now, so what 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 am I supposed to do now? You know, like you that's not a permanent fix. Um but the the point that I'm trying to make here is you have to be able to adapt, you have to be able to pull back and know that something is better than nothing. And if it hurts, don't do it. That's the number one thing. Is if it hurts, do not do it. And that's going to suck. You're going to want to do your normal workout. It's going to throw off your day, but you have to think about the long term and keep perspective about where you're trying to get and whether whatever you're doing is going to do you damage or if it's going to help you out. So I think that's the number one thing. So for me yesterday, I still went, I still worked out, I squatted, um, I dropped the weight a little bit. I did, I was supposed to do sets at 275, I dropped it to 245, got the reps in, no pain. Um, I had to drop the weight for a few other exercises too, but I did it and I dropped it down and got the workout in and I felt much better about it later. And actually moving around, I found that getting some blood flowing to my ankle really helped and I, I felt much better that night. So I think it's totally okay to go to the gym when you're injured. But just be really careful and and think about whether something is going to help that injury or whether it's going to further hinder you with that injury. That's Those are my thoughts. Yeah. Wrapping up on that, um, like I think what you're touching on there is that when rehabbing an injury, lifters forget the big picture. Um, because, I mean, would you rather have performed your very best yesterday or would you rather perform your very best on meet day? So you really have to consider, like, why why are you in the gym training? Why do you need to get this workout done? If you're a competitor, it's for the performance. It's not for the gym. And it's really hard to get past that. But, you know, having perspective that way is really helpful. It, it ultimately, I think it comes down to checking your ego and getting over yourself as well because – we sometimes in the gym we think that we're invincible and we're not and I think just being okay with the fact that you're gonna have to pull back at times to get the best product in the end is gonna be key when you're rehabbing from an injury Mm. with all that we're saying I want to just reiterate that we're not medical professionals and we this is our subjective opinions it's our experience so we're speaking on that we can't give advice as to how to rehab from an ACL mm-hmm. that you're going to need to see a physical therapist you might need surgery but it's it's these more nicks and bruises that we're talking about a strain of the low back a sprained ankle mm-hmm. um if you've been in the gym and you know your stuff I I think you're pretty well equipped there are enough resources out there on YouTube on Instagram on if you do your reading um that you can manage these injuries and and come back better all right want to move on yep so the second question we got regarding injuries was how do you deal with emotional frustration from injuries and not being able to do as much? So obviously from hearing us talk, you know that we have both went through this and it's taking me, it's taking, so this even comes out when you're sick and you wanting to push when you're sick. So even if you've never experienced an injury, um, and this can also ha- come from like mental illness. You know, how do you deal with the emotional frustration of having these things and not being able to do what you what you were doing or what you want to do? So something I like to do is give myself some time to be subjective, like like the rest of the day if I get injured. Like, dang, 
this really sucks. I was doing really good. I was making such good progress. Um, you know, I, I like to let myself be upset for a minute, but definitely don't stay there. So once I'm done focusing on the subjective and how I feel about the situation, I focus on the objective. What is the actual situation? You know, this, this will be like, well, I strained my low back. Okay, what does that mean? And, you know, beyond this, how might an outsider view this situation? You know, somebody that doesn't really have a stake in it. If, like, let's say you hurt yourself before before a meet, but it wasn't going to be your biggest meet of the year, an outsider might be like, well, you know, maybe maybe ask the event director if you can only do this or this. You know, you don't need this to be a full meet for you. So, um, you know, how would an outsider view it? What What would they say? And this is when you can ask somebody close to you um, what they might think. Um, and then beyond that, what does it look like in the scheme of things? So what, why are you, what is your big purpose here? Um, what is this injury doing to that purpose? And how can, how can you still get through this injury and reach that goal? Um, you know, instead of what you can't do, focus on what you can. Because like you said, not, like something is better than nothing and you can still do a lot of things. What can, this is also an opportunity for improvement in other areas. That especially things like you've been wanting to get to, like, oh, I'm doing this meat prep, but I've really wanted to improve my flexibility. Okay, this might be the perfect time for that. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and it doesn't even have to be related to your goals in the gym. I, I think the best thing you could do when you're down and out and you have to be, you, you cannot... Some injuries are really going to set you back. Um, I think that's the best time when you can actually just try to be thankful for that opportunity you have to rest and recover and do things that you wish you had time for when you are spending an hour or two hours in the gym. Mm. Take that time to meditate, to read, to read research, to better other aspects. Spend time with people you care about. Spend time with people you care about. Like we said, walk the dog if you're able. Um, Just do other things that are going to help build you up rather than tear you down and when you're really injured going to the gym is probably going to tear you down so I think being grateful for the opportunity to rest and recover and kind of reset and make it so that when you come back you're going to be stronger mentally and you're going to be better prepared to move forward Um, I think that's really the best thing you can do because being injured can take a huge toll on on someone and when you think about it in the context of of team sports as well if you're um, a collegiate or high school athlete it can be so hard to be injured when you know your team needs you but that's when you have to focus on being the best cheerleader and the best coach you can be and Mm -hmm. being there to support your team so do that for yourself too give yourself a break know that there was nothing you could do I can't control the fact that I walked into something yesterday. It just happens. Shit happens and it's going to happen. It's always there are always going to be roadblocks and there's nothing you can do to prevent them. So you just have to accept them and and see them as an opportunity to better yourself one way or another. I think I believe this is super cliché, but I believe that everything happens for a reason. So if you get hurt, you have to see it as an opportunity as weird as that sounds. You have to see it as an opportunity to better yourself in other aspects of life and to come back stronger. Did you have anything to add? Yeah. Um, 
uh, yeah, like another like cheesy quote is like you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react it. So I definitely think that applies in this react to it, and I definitely think that applies in this situation. And I think another thing that applies in this situation and not many others is like no losses, only lessons. So take what you can learn from that situation, and you might come across somebody that. Um, sometime during your life that is going through what you went through and now you're equipped to speak anecdotally about how you got through that what you learned from that so you know everything is an opportunity even if it's not presenting itself that way but I do think taking that subjective time to be like dang you know that sucks I feel like you do need to do that and anybody that's you know saying like no you need to be up and at it right away I feel like it's it's unrealistic yeah, that's super important to mention is that it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be mad and disappointed that it happened to you, but you're going to have to come to grips with it and figure out how to move forward eventually. And um, I think that pretty much covers that. Another yeah. thing that comes to mind for me when thinking about injury and taking time away from the gym is that when some when you're when when you can't do something, you're going to come back that much more excited to do it when you do get back so say you can't work out for I remember I broke my wrist senior year and I cannot tell you how excited I was to get that cast off and start benching again and it's also uh, this is an entirely different point that I was trying to make but thinking back to when I did break my wrist and I was pumped to get back in the gym and bench press I couldn't even do the bar my first day back in and that is crushing too so you just have to kind of give yourself a break and meet yourself, be okay with where you are and, and, and build yourself back up and know that you will get back to where you are and more if you if you just stick to it and be resilient. So take take advantage of the time away from the gym and see it as an opportunity to focus on other things and then come back even better. That's the best mm-hmm. advice I can give when it comes to dealing with an injury and trying to stay positive. Yeah, be gentle with yourself. Um, and I think that kind of answers the fourth, the third question I got on injuries, which is advice on how to stay positive when an injury is going to take you out for months on end. I think that just the same thing applies, um, you know, also thinking about what is a few months in the scheme of things, like how long do you want to be doing this for? Do you, do you I mean, if you really love it, I'm going to assume a lifetime or as long as you can, or, I mean... Yeah, as long as you can't anymore. Um, so, you know, just keeping that in mind, months in the scheme of things is going to be an important thing to touch on. And thinking about, like, what did you do the before the injury? You know, um, that basically goes into what we were talking about with the last question. Like, did you really like to draw? Did you spend more time with your friends? This is a time to divest into those things. Divest from your training into those things. Yeah, another thing that helps me in the past when I've been injured or sick or just anything happens to you really, you just have to kind of count your blessings and realize how much worse you could have it, which is, again, really cliche to say, but I say this all the time, things are things that are cliche are cliche for a reason. People repeat them for a reason, and that's because they're usually true. Mm-hmm. You know the golden rule is as cliche as it is, as it comes, but it's true. Treat other people the way you want to be treated, and the same goes for you. Have to be grateful for what you do have, and not pout about what you don't have. So, yeah, I sprained my ankle, but I have food to eat. I have 
clothes on my back. I have a family and friends who love me. So just be grateful for what you do have. Don't focus on what you don't have at this time. And I'm always going to say, just try to come back better. And when you, when considering injuries, there are going to be times like with my ankle where you just walk into something or you step wrong and you get injured. But a lot of times too, injuries do happen for a reason. So you have to be aware of what you might have done that precipitated that injury for for example, with Jen, you chose to go beltless for a long time. I didn't do my rehab. And you chose to not do rehab, and that might have led to getting re-injuring your back. So I didn't give myself long enough between training sessions. Learn from me. So it's this kind of introspection that is going to help you learn from injuries. And I don't know, guys. It's It's going to be different for everyone, but... I, I just really encourage you to try to find the bright side of it. And the bottom line is you can't change it. Mm-hmm. So you, you're going to have to accept yeah, it. And you it. can either pout about it and be miserable for however long it's going to take for that injury to heal. Or you can find ways to make it a productive time and come back even stronger. Yeah, so that's, that pretty much wraps up the questions we got about injuries um, so now we're going to go into the other questions we got, and I'm going to start with the first question I got. This is the second time Joey has asked me this question. I don't know if he's listening, and he wants an in-depth discussion on whether or not cereal is soup. Do you have any strong opinions on this, Roy? No. Cereal is cereal, and it's delicious, and that's my opinion. There is no good answer to this question. Everyone has a strong opinion about it, I guess, besides Roy. But cooking.stackexchange.com says that cereal and milk is not soup. Okay, I do have a question for you, though. Okay. Do you put your cereal in the bowl first and then your milk? So I've always done that, but recently I've heard that if you put the milk in and the cereal on top, it doesn't get soggy, but I kind of like soggy cereal. It sort of depends on the cereal. Yeah, it depends on the cereal. I don't know. I feel like, but I'm always like a, like a cereal in there first kind of person. I don't know. Do you ever mix cereals? Get, Would you ever mix cereals? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cereal. Yeah. Okay, really good. So my heart wants to say that it is a variety of soup. I love cereal and soup. Um, but somebody okay. on Instagram. My instinct is that cereal is not soup. Okay. That there, just doesn't you, make see, sense See, there's your strong opinion on it. So... Somebody on Instagram, L-U-D-U-G-94 on Instagram, told me that cereal is an umbrella term for certain grains, oats included, which oatmeal is made of along with many other cereals. Conclusively, oatmeal is hot cereal, and if you have it with milk, it's cold cereal, not soup. And that also soup needs to be boiled. So, you know, technically, I guess it's not soup. But, you know, who's to say? There's no good answer. There's no good answer. Okay, what's next? Um, okay, so let me just put this disclaimer out there. I am not qualified to answer this question. Roy is also not qualified to answer this question, but we're gonna, we're gonna tackle it. Um, thoughts on TRT for men when they hit a certain age in their life? So that's testosterone replacement? Yeah, so here's the thing. It's probably not uncommon. It's probably pretty common. Um, I... I don't have a penis and I'm not taking (laughs) testosterone. So, you know, um, I don't have an an informed opinion on this. And um, the one thing I would say is that, you know, it's probably not unheard of. And first and foremost, you should 
definitely talk to a doctor about it. Your doctor needs to know things like this um, so that your doctor can tell you the risks and the risks that are specific to you. You know, if you're okay with the risks, go for it. There are risks with, there are risks with everything and it's your body and it's your business. Um, and I would just let somebody close to you know um, as well as your doctor because... You know, I don't know. I've never taken testosterone. I've heard things. So if you want, like, somebody close to you might be like, wow, you're acting differently. Or this is unusual behavior for you. Um, and that's an important per- person in your life. You should probably let them know. I don't have a ton of thoughts on it. I I have never taken a testosterone supplement or had any type of intervention that way. Um, I do know that... Testosterone is a super important hormone for lots of reasons. And for women. For Yeah, for guys, but also for women. It has tons of anabolic effects, so it's going to help you build muscle. It's going to help you out in the gym. Beyond that, obviously, sexually, it's an important hormone. There are tons of things that you need testosterone for. So if you... My 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 best advice would be to get blood work done if you're concerned about it. If you're genuinely concerned about it, go see a doctor and get blood work done. And they might then then you can consult them about possibly doing an intervention. But I would just make sure it's regulated, it's certified. You don't want to just get it from someone in the gym or whatever or on the corner. Um, <laughs> just just be at smart. your local gym. Just be smart about it. Um, if it is something you're interested in, we kind of had this talk when we spoke on steroids a few episodes ago. Obviously, we don't we don't have any personal experience. We don't have any any evidence to present present you with. Um, so we're probably not the people to consult on this. But th- those are my opinions. Mm-hmm. Just m- be smart about it. See a doctor. Get some blood work done if you're genuinely concerned about it. Yep, and that brings us to our last question. Well, I have some. The- I have some too. Oh yeah, Just no, never mind. Um, my drink is almost running out. So, how do you strengthen your grip for deadlifts? Uh, big question because I feel like my deadlift grip is the first to go after a meet. Because after a meet, I after a meet, I just like take a week off of like conventional powerlifting stuff. I'm not really doing any grip training. Um, so the best thing I've found for strengthening and keeping your grip strong for deadlifts is to avoid using straps at all costs. A lot of people don't even use straps, but I know a lot of people on Instagram like to use straps for that big one to three rep max. Um, avoid doing that and definitely work your double, your double overhand when you are deadlifting, even beyond hook gripping. Like I like to do just a regular double overhand until I can't anymore when I'm warming up. Um, you can also do hook grip, which a lot of people don't like because it, it places a ton of pressure on your thumbs when you're not doing it correctly. I mean, even when you are doing it correctly, it still is not the best feeling. Um, some other exercises I would suggest are farmer's carries, um, with really heavy weight and doing your dumbbell rows or your barbell rows with, without straps, just not using straps. You can do pull-up bar hangs so just like hanging from a pull-up bar for us for you know 15 to 20 seconds for like five to six sets and then last one working your antagonist muscles um my dad has always been an advocate for this and grip strength and that's just doing like 
what are it, forearm curls, wrist flexion, wrist and flexion and extension. They have like specific rubber bands for this that are pretty cheap. Um, but just working those muscles as well is going to make your grip strength a lot better. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I love doing various carries, farmer's carries, suitcase carries, overhead carries, front rack carries. Anything that's going to improve your general strength. I think strongman training could be really good for improving grip strength as well. Um, fat grips and other things like mm-hmm. other little tools like that. A fat grip is just something that you're going to put on a dumbbell. It's going to make it a lot harder to grip. Those can be helpful for training grip. Um, I think another component for the deadlift specifically is that it's important to train your biceps, not just so you have mm-hmm. sweet guns, but so that you can hold on to things. And I think gripping the deadlift goes way beyond just your forearms. It involves engaging your lats and using your upper back as well. So I think training your back, doing lots of rowing, lots of shrugging, um, mm. and just making sure that you're strong posteriorly and not completely relying on the strength of your forearms. Um, it doesn't totally, like, it doesn't matter how vascular and big your forearms are if you can't if you have a weak back so when it comes to the actual deadlift i would make sure that you are engaging your lats when you're lifting that you have strong traps um and i think just bracing well helps with grip a lot too but if you're looking to actually improve your grip strength um i think farmers carries like we spoke on in lots of rows are probably your best option if you use a false grip for rows it can take your biceps out of the movement so if you remove your thumb um that's cut it off yeah just cut it off <laughs> um and do your rows like that it can put even more emphasis on the lat so i like to do my pull-ups that way um rows that way yeah so that that basically wraps it up on that question it's just you know avoid straps yeah you'll All see right. people who miss their lift out on the platform and go back to the warm-up room and then they they hit it with the straps and they say, I knew I had it. <laughs> Bro, you did not have it. You didn't it. have it. <laughs> That's like Obviously you didn't on. have it. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, 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 we should say that straps can be helpful for, um, if you're not worried about your grip for strength, overreaching, you know. if, yeah. if you want to do super heavy dumbbell rows, um, and but you, you want to use straps it. and your grip is a limiting factor, then go for it. But honestly, I would encourage you to just sacrifice those couple pounds and build your grip strength instead. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Um, I got a few questions as well. Um, the first one is actually a, a personal question for us. It says, what is it like to date someone who also lifts competitively and that you work with? The first thing that came to mind for me when I got this question was, it has always, I mean, we get this question a lot. And I think over time, I've gotten much better about like, even though I love Jen, and oh. she means the world to me. Yeah. You still, it, you still, I'm still a very competitive person. So it's always kind of hard when like she beats me in pull-ups or something like that. But I've learned to just be happy for her and encourage her. And learn from me. Sure. And know that there are going to be things that she's better at. And that there are going to be things I'm better at. And that I, I think it's just important to encourage each other and see it as a, a team effort and then when it comes to working um it can be hard because we're around each other all the time and just like I mean everybody goes through this when you hang out with someone for too long you just get 
tired of them and you get irritated and obviously that happens that happens to us even though we're super close and we get along really well and I get crabby and um, <laughs> hangry and that stuff comes along but I think the, you gotta have snacks on you folks the biggest thing you can do is just communicate openly and play off each other's strengths and weaknesses and be happy for each other and encourage each other and that's that's pretty much my thoughts on it yeah everything that you said and also that um you know having a training partner is it's awesome an it's opportunity great. it is um not a given and it's not i mean a lot of people have training partners but is your training partner good like can you learn things from them and is it someone you enjoy spending yeah. time with also i think it's so great that i don't have to ask strangers for spots i can just go get jen which i really appreciate always um even though I'm, you know, not, yeah. <laughs> not super good at spotting. Yeah, um, we won't talk about anyways, that. Anyways, I think, like, there's always an opportunity to learn from each other. Like, you're better at a lot of things than I am. Than I'm good at. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You're better at a lot of things than I am. And I'm better at some things. Um, and, you know, we're not competing against each other at the end of the day. Like, you're not in my weight class. Um... But I think so, I think at the same time, like that healthy competition yeah. when we do pull up contests and stuff like that, like being yeah. able to push each other and mm-hmm. and just being around someone, when you see someone else that's going hard and pushing themselves, it's gonna make you wanna do the same. So I'm incredibly grateful that we get to share our training and this work together and overall it's it's amazing. It's I'm really grateful for it. So um, the last last question we're going to touch on, then we're going to wrap up, is do you have any tips for supporting a gym, a partner's gym goals and habits? And my answer is yes, I do. Um, and it doesn't necessarily go for just partners, but family members, friends. I think it can be super hard when you become really invested and you want something for someone, especially if it comes to like, if it's really impacting their health. So take, hypothetically, if you have a, if you have a friend who should lose weight if they want to prolong their life and, and live a healthy and fulfilled life, it's going to be really tough to leave that up to them and watch them maybe s- skip out on workouts or cheat on their diet or do whatever. But ultimately, that's their decision and you have to leave it up to them. You can The best thing you can do for them is positive reinforcement when they do go to the gym and offer to go to the gym gym with them and just encourage them. So whatever they choose to do is on them. But the what it comes down to is that you can't want something for someone. Mm. No matter how bad you want them to, to do it, that's not going to change their mind on whether they're going to do it or not. So I think the best thing you can do is, like I said, just reinforce good behaviors um, and be there for them no matter what. Even if they choose, they don't want to change their habits that doesn't change the person that they are. So the best thing you can do is encourage them, go with them, support them. That's that's my advice. Yeah, just show them that you care. Like you could do things like make them breakfast in the morning before they're up if they have a big training session. Um you can volunteer not volunteer. You can tell them um that you're going to go to their meets and you're going to handle them or you can, yeah, just showing them that you care. And, and conversely to your um, hypothetical, like, if you, if there's someone, 
you know that is battling an eating disorder and is using like diet tendencies to justify that um you know same th- same thing goes there you can't want recovery for i mean you can want recovery for someone but that doesn't make mean it that happen, they're going to chase it um so you know in that situation you just have to have to be consistent in your support and continue to show that you care so do you have anything else to touch on um i guess just to tie it all together another component to that is they don't have to go to the gym to exercise invite them on a walk invite them hiking invite them shit to the mall like we talked about you know like any way you can get them to move around and and make it a positive experience and make them want to do it again i think that's good so just um, I think being super mindful on how your words and your actions are going to impact them and knowing that you can't make their choices for them and, mm-hmm. and supporting them no matter what is the best thing you can do for somebody, whether they're your partner, your family member, your friend. You can only do what you can do. So. I think that wraps it up. Thanks for sticking with us through this longer episode. If you have anything that you would like us to cover in an episode, um, feel free to let us know. Also, just well we're accepting questions indefinitely yeah and we i want to say that we really appreciate everyone who has listened thus far and it would really mean a lot to us if you guys share this podcast with someone you know who you think you'd be interested or put it on your instagram story just it it means a lot when you recognize the hard work and the time we put into this stuff so we appreciate you all and um that's that's it we'll we'll talk to you guys soon